Um, welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, I'm really excited. We have, I, I know you just see our Committed to Change SCW logo, um, but we have Adam Budicavalli who's with us. He's running our uh, webinar tonight. We love him, or actually we just put up with him. Um, and I have some wonderful presenters who I love putting up with. We have about 190 people that are registered for this webinar. My guess is we'll have about 60, 70, whatever show up. We'll have another 50 that'll probably listen to the recordings through podcasts and through our, our recording. We will be recording this webinar. We're recording it now. Um, so what I'd like you to do is you guys are our live people, which means you're special. So move your mouse, go to the bottom of the screen you're going to see your green share button go to the left click on the chat box and this yeah he is the true all-star that's from adam yes he is um but i'd love you to type in your name and where you're from we love to know where people are from because we get them from Frankly, we used to get people from all over the world. We definitely get folks from all over the United States. We've got people, John just logged in from Ohio. We've got um, from Orangeville, Illinois, Carol logged in. So we get these people, Ontario, Canada, Pennsylvania. You guys are from all over Atlanta, Dallas, um, San Francisco Bay Area, Alabama, all over. Glenn, um, Homer Glen, Illinois. Where is that? And then we got somebody from New York City. I hope New York City is beginning to open up. Missouri, all over. So thank you for joining us tonight. Um, we have wonderful guests tonight. We have Amber Tool. She's got her Bachelor's of Science degree in Physical Education and Health through Educating, Coaching, Training, and Teaching. Amber is passionate about spending the truth about health and fitness sharing self-care through safe and effective exercise, proper nutrition, stress management techniques. I'm going to be consulting with her later on that one. Recovery and rest. Um, Amber's been at many, many of our live stream mania conferences and now, yay, is attending our live events. We're very thrilled to have her. We have Jonathan, Dr. Jonathan Mike. He's got his PhD. He teaches in the sports performance program at Grand Canyon University in, in Phoenix, Arizona. He also joined us over the pandemic, which is really cool. He's been a strength and conditioning coach at, at major Division I universities in the private sector. He's spoken at over 45 events, which I think is higher now, through N NSCA, SCW, ISSN, and others. He's authored peer-reviewed scientific public publications. He's written 11 book chapters on nutrition, sports nutrition, and sports and conditioning. We're, we put up with him, okay? But we're so happy that John joined us. We've got Amanda Fear Highly with us. We also found Amanda through the pandemic. I think we found you on Instagram, believe it or not. And now she's a registered dietitian for 20 years. She's immersed in fitness field for over 15 years. She owns her own consulting business. In particular, she incorporates food as fuel, food as medicine, I love that, and mindful eating approaches. And she teaches 
cycling and strength. So I love that she's a practitioner as well. And then Reed Davis, who we also found through the pandemic, and he's presented live as well at our conferences. People really love him. He's a board-certified holistic health practitioner and a certified nutritional therapist. He's an expert in functional lab testing, holistic lifestyle medicine. He's the founder of the Functional um, functional Diagnostic Nutrition, that's FDN. And they, they've also very generously supported SCW at our conferences. We really appreciate that. And the, he, they also have an FDN certification course, which I highly recommend, with over 3,000 graduates from 50 different countries. So we're very... We're, we're thrilled that we have these folks here. We're going to be talking today that there are numerous weight loss diets out there, such as the paleo diet, ketogenic, plant-based. I'm embarrassed to say I'm also, I tried intermittent fasting, so we can chat about that. I'm going to pick their brain. And they all these diets claim to be superior. However, no single diet is best for everyone, and it's hard to know which are even worth trying. So there's different popular weight loss diets. We're going to talk about them, the science, the logic behind them, and how to coach your clients. And it's I find it very, very interesting. Now, you all know, I told you about this, you move your mouse, you go down to the green share button, over to the chat box, type in your questions. I actually read them, I actually pay attention to them, and, and we'll, we'll try to answer them. I'll let these brilliant folks do that. I'm gonna start with Amber, because she is the shy one, just kidding. All right, what factors do you consider when looking at new weight loss diets, Amber? What are your thoughts on that? So I am very much against fad diets and most of your weight loss diets are fad diets. I like to work with my clients more on actually a one-to-one -one basis and understanding their lifestyle and educating them on the proper information about nutrition as opposed to looking at a diet and succinct to the point she doesn't like those like the weight loss diets um and reed what are your thoughts on that yeah well the first thing i look, look at for a diet is it right for that person is it the right combination of proteins fats and carbs the right ratios because there is a right one. You can dial it right in when you know what to look for. And also then which proteins, fats, and carbs. They have to have all the vitamins and minerals and essential fatty acids and antioxidants and phytonutrients and trace elements and everything else included, again, to match one's genetics. So um, I'm with Amber 100%. Fad diets are just fads. And they will come and go. Uh, when I started 23 years ago, Atkins diet was very popular. And what I found was that it worked for some people. It had no effect on others, and it made some worse. So oh, I really? no one no one diet right for everybody. And how do you? I'm jumping here a little bit. How do you dial in? Do you do do you do blood testing? Do you do the, you know, the spit and go system? No. So if you're eating correctly for your genetics and what we call metabolic type then the right fuel mixture would give you three things really good energy not nervous you know but solid energy enough to get from one meal to the next do your work do your play do your whatever it is you also would have a good sense of satiation 
you're not missing anything. You're not craving anything. That meal satisfied. So satiety is a quality. Energy is a quality. And last but not least is a sense of well-being. You know, food shouldn't put you in a bad mood. Or again, you know, when you're craving or cranky, if you're cranky for no reason, uh, well, that's not right. That's, you know, if, if someone just cut you off in traffic, you could be cranky. But um, you could observe those three areas, the sense of well-being, the satiation, and the energy levels. And food can produce those, the, the, the good parts of that. Jonathan, it could also what are produce... You it also was the bad, you know, it could produce eating wrong would you wouldn't have energy, you wouldn't have satiation, you wouldn't have a sense of well being. So it's pretty easy once you know what to look for. Oh, interesting. John, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I'm not really big on fat, you know, weight loss diets and fat diets. I mean, as alluded to a few minutes ago, I mean, they, they, they come and go. What I am for is for um, long lasting lifestyle and, and behavioral change and modification. Um, that's really what it should really be about. I mean, diets and, and training, there's a lot of parallels um, and, and there's so much inter individual variability with how people respond, not only, you know, to eating, but, you know, what their previous um, history is, if they have, you know, um, genetic, um, you know, susceptibility to, to certain things, if they're allergic to all kinds of other things, or they have food allergies or whatever it is. So obviously it needs to be customized, um, but we live in a world that wants to give everybody, you know, fast and cheapest and the quickest, and people just don't want to really want to put, put in the work. Um, and the only one of the main ways they do want to put in the work is when then they're already so far down the rabbit hole that they have to climb themselves out of. So I'm not a big in the fad diets. It needs to be, you know, lifestyle transformation, um, you know, behavioral change in order to sustain like new habits um, to create more um, happiness you know, and better relationships either with themselves or with food, uh, you know, family, friends, and just be happier in life. Because um, a lot of people have a very strong emotional connection with food. Um, and they also have um, um, uh, even previous like triggers um, that correspond to um, how they may uh, go about with, with certain eating habits. But yeah, on the whole, not really big into fad diets. I'm more for a um, longer lifestyle um, transformation change. How do we make those transformations? And and Amanda, I know you feel the same way about these fad diets. I mean, like I thought, oh, I'm going to have this panel and someone's going to disagree and say that paleo is the way to go. And these people agree with each other. That's But um, how would you get someone to make that lifestyle change if it's not a particular diet? Uh, that's a great question. I think um, typically if someone's coming to you asking for a diet, they've been on previous diets. So it's a really good starting point to say, hey, what have you tried in the past? Has it worked? And I think everyone on here once again would agree, which might be boring, but it's right 99.9% .9 of the time. I lost 50 pounds, I gained 70 back. I lost 20 pounds, I gained 25 back. Um, you know, I have clients who have food dreams. If you are in this restrictive mindset, right? It once again, like John said, it's this negative relationship with food that um, it's a downward mm -hmm. spiral. There's a big connection. It, not only mood, food to boost your mood, but think about the opposite of that. When someone is dieting or restricting, or I wish I could eat that, or you're, you're at a family function and you're I can't eat this, this, and this. And then the, the social aspect of food goes away. So I do like to remind them if they have a history that it was not a success, most likely. Um, and then consistency, right? And so a lot of times if we've gained weight over the years, it doesn't just come on like that. So it's not gonna fly off. And so 
when we start the lifestyle changes, it's building. It's those simple goals, step-by-step step, where they, they might just feel better, right? I get a lot of patients or clients who maybe the first month, the weight hasn't changed, but they're like, I'm sleeping better. I'm in a better mood, right? I have more energy. And then, and then it, you know, so it's, it's a marathon. It is not a sprint. There's no quick fix. Um, and I think setting those expectations realistically and then diving deeper into the individual connection, you know, that, that that person has with food and what their goals are, I think helps, you know, the reassurance of that this is going to take time. We're in this partnership together. It's okay to have these feelings. We're going to, you know, we're going to reroute you to, to what, what is a healthy lifestyle change that you can do this from now until ever. I really like the idea of having people pay attention to their mood. I think everybody will agree when you're eating healthier, you you just feel better you just feel better and it it may not necessarily like i totally agree with that that i see a change in the in the scale um but i do but you you definitely see that mood change um amber when you're coaching someone through this because i know you deal you your clientele could you give me like a demographic is it women and age and the majority of my clientele is over 50 females. I work with a lot of women um, through perimenopause, postmenopause. So that's a little—it's my little special group. So things really change for them during that time, not just their hormones, but just everything in life. So I definitely help coach them through that. Um, and definitely, and nutrition becomes so absolutely important during that time because the quality of their nutrition absolutely has to increase if it's not already there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, and are there, okay, now I'm going to throw this out. I think I know what the answer is going to be, but are there any, you know, John, are there any weight loss diets that you might recommend that you've at least seen some success with that, that doesn't go into extremes? Uh, yeah, and one of the one, one of the ones that first comes to mind is actually a significant amount of research backing, and that's really with a Mediterranean diet, uh, because it's high in vegetables, um, it's higher in fiber, um, it's higher in um, healthier, uh, you know, fats, monounsaturated fats, um, and you know, omega three fatty acids, um, you know, as well. Um, you know, if you if you add or add in higher protein with that, I think it's a pretty good combination. Um, that, that people can really be successful with. Um, and that, that's something that I think, you know, uh, Amanda alluded to a, a few minutes ago is, is really the consistency aspect. Um, you know, you didn't gain 50 pounds like in three weeks, like it took you like, you know, three months, or, like three years. So it's going to come off, you know, really slow. The other thing I wanted to say, um, which most people don't really talk about is like the, um, the neurochemical effect uh, to, few, to food and how certain types of foods, particularly junk food, high processed foods, um, has a negative impact on neurochemistry and, and negative effect on neurotransmitters that are responsible for either muscle contraction, you know, the dopamine response, you know, the the, the brain response, um, the cognitive, you know, function and all those types of things. So really? it's, it's an aspect that's not really talked about a whole lot, um, but I think it's something that's really, really important um, and how, you know, food, yeah, it does affect mood, um, but it also affects the um, uh, hormonal uh, aspects in production um, that essentially kind of are like the transmission like of your body, right? Um, you know, if you have a, a dysfunctional transmission, well, everything else is going to really be dysfunctional in the process. So that's something I think is important to really take note. You have food and mood, but also how it can negatively impact the neurochemistry of um, all that.
Well, that's interesting. That's interesting. And Amanda, what do you know? Um, we got a great question from Heidi who says, um, what do you know about nutrients like vitamins and minerals being less bioavailable from our diet as we age? I also think that might mean that our bodies are less have a, a decreased ability to absorb. But does supplementation really work? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I remember when I was, you know, in college, young pup, and we talked about the aging process. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> your smell, your sight, your everything, your digestion, right? Your skin, it just, you know. And then thank you, up, thank uh, you for bringing that up, Amanda. I really appreciate but, it. But here, but here uh, you need, <laughs> the punchline punch is nutrition can slow that, physical activity can mm -hmm. slow that. Those seven habits of health, I think, right? Sleep, stress reduction, all the stuff we're bringing up. So um short answer is obviously like the mediterranean diet bright colors all those things to help slow the aging process now is um, there is there a good link amanda you think we should put in for the for the mediterranean diet or john or reed or amber do you have a there's a yeah i mean there's pyramid yeah yeah uh, i mean there's there's books written about you know mediterranean diets but there's also if you look on you know, uh, PubMed or even just a significant Google Scholar search. I mean, you can find you know, effects of Mediterranean diet on lifestyles or, you know, blood markers or, or whatever it may be. I mean, there's a whole host of really, you know, solid resources. Um, okay. I'll ask Adam if he, he, he'll Google that. He'll throw it in the chat for us. I'm sorry, Amanda, please, please go ahead. So, yeah. So, but yeah, so as we age, for instance, uh, we produce intrinsic factor in our stomach. It helps us to uh, absorb B12 down lower in our intestines. As we age, that intrinsic factor is not as highly produced, so we don't absorb as much B B12. The little villi, right? You have a tennis court of absorptive sites in your intestines, like fingers, and then more little fingers. It sounds weird, but it's, I think it's amazing. Absorbing vitamins and minerals, everything, right? The probiotics, all the good stuff throughout your gut. Certain things like alcohol blunt those, the aging process, they're just, they just don't work as well. So does supplementation really work? The short answer is yes. I mean, it's going to fill in the gaps. Can we guarantee that you're going to absorb 100% of the B12 you're putting under your tongue? No, but is that going to help supplement your diet, whatever your body has already absorbed? Yes, right? When we age, we stop, we don't do as much vitamin D absorption. So taking extra vitamin D, all that being said, it's hard to just say start taking these vitamins right and so there's there, the american medical association the american dietetic board does recommend a multivitamin and we could get into how the hows and the whys most of that stuff is pretty safe we're like you're gonna excrete it if you don't need it um there's not too much of the highly you know fat soluble stuff in there where it's going to become toxic but then too if if this is something where or is you know am i tired am i am i B12 deficient, iron deficient, then that's blood work, right? And then you can do the targeted supplementation for what your body is low in. Um, yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. Um, I just got back from the Mayo Clinic and they do what's called an executive checkup, which is amazing because it sounds kind of silly, but my gynecologist retired, my orthopedist retired, my dermatologist retired, and my GP, my general practice, he's older than dirt, okay? He's gonna retire in the next five minutes. I have, and all my records are like everywhere. So my husband had gone, and I'm a, the CEO of SCW, so they do, they call it an executive checkup if you're in the C-suite. I went there, 
amazing three days of department to department to department and you you no waiting it's like you you feel like you're the in the american airlines lounge you've got lunch there you've got your wi-fi you've got a printer you've got everything you could ever need but the one of the first things they do is they did a blood analysis and the for what do they find b12 deficiency my regular gp had found that i had a a vitamin D deficiency and I'm 63 but I've actually been living in Colorado for the winter and skiing a lot my vitamin D deficiency went away but I did do the B12 and what the what the doctor told me was he said like you said Amanda you put that little B12 under your tongue and he said there's really no risk if you don't need it you're it's you're just gonna excrete you're just gonna pee it out um, and I was like, what kind should I take? And that's read what I'm going to ask you because he just said, go to Target, get a B12 and just put it under, put it under your tongue and do it, you know, for one month, every single day. And then once a week. And I'm like, doesn't it matter what type of vitamins and supplements we take? Read. <laughs> sure it does. And, you know, I'd like to talk about supplements and how they can be used for, we call it the four S's of supplementation, support, stimulation, substitution for what's not in food anymore, and even for self-treatment. There's lots of things you can buy instead of taking drugs. So we have extensive education on supplements as to what's the best vitamin B. I think the sublinguals is the way I would go. They just seem better absorbed. But I wanna go back, if you don't mind, for a second what Jonathan said. And it's so important, the idea of what food does to your body chemistry. A patient that was coming in our clinic was a principal of five charter schools. And she went to each one each five days of the week. And one of her things she had to do as the principal was to sit in on parent-teacher conferences with the bad kids. And I don't know why you'd have bad kids at a charter school, right? But anyway, so these were misbehaving in some way. And she asked me, because she started asking the kids, just going right to the kid, what did you have for breakfast? And what percentage of the misbehaving kids do you think ate sugary cereal or Pop-Tarts or something? 80%. It was 100%, Jonathan. Uh, like they all were eating shit for breakfast. Pardon me, sorry. That's and okay. So, so, so uh, it's just really important. I want to emphasize how important what John, Jonathan said was, Besides the protein, fat, and carbs, which should be natural, and uh, to what Amanda said, the colorful fruits and vegetables and things, and even the Mediterranean diet, it works especially good if you have Mediterranean heritage. But, um, you know, it's good to eat natural, real food and um, not have to supplement very much if you're getting sunshine and um, all of these things uh, that we know are good for us. That's great. That's great. And we, we got a comment. Um, from emerald it said emotional balance in life makes it easier to have a healthier eating lifestyle so um i know amanda you do consulting i know amber you do consulting how do you balance the emotionality 
um, without staying within our scope of practice, being you know registered dietitians and and having you know degrees in in physical education and health, how do we make these recommendations or deal with the emotionality of people that are overindulging or not taking care of themselves? Amber, I see you nodding. And and I can answer this from you know I from being a certified personal trainer, I'm not a registered dietitian. So my coaching and consulting is going to be very different from how Amanda probably coaches and consults with her patients and clients. So in order to stay within my scope of practice, this is a perfect question for me because I have a group nutrition coaching program. And a lot of the people within my group right now are under tremendous amounts of stress. We have someone who just lost her sister, someone who just lost her mother, one who's got kids that are just, her life is just all crazy and all over the place. And when they are in these places where their emotions are high and they're trying to recover and deal with just what is happening in life, they, the last thing they want me to tell them is, you need to eat a salad today. You know, their brain is not able to wrap around that. So this is where coaching them through these times of life is helpful. Giving them a pass to say, all right, listen, don't stress out about how many carbs, fat, protein you're eating. If you had a donut today because you were stressed, okay, let's just move on from there. And just encouraging them saying, you know, I know you feel bad. I know you're sad. I know you're dealing with some things, but do the best you can to try to get as much good, whole, healthy foods in that you can, because that's going to help you in this process. And then helping to coach them with that instead of making them feel bad because they probably are turning to comfort foods. So that's where that coaching aspect comes in to just help them to be able to change some of that so that they feel better. And, and John, I see you nodding. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's um, like I said earlier, people's emotional connection with food. Um, and, it, and it stems back from some type of like physical, mental, you know, trauma that they may have had, you know, years ago that they weren't able to really get out of or didn't have the proper, you know, coaching or, or mentality to help get them out of. And so they use food as, as an emotional, you know, coping type of mechanism. Um, and, you know, it's the same thing with, you know, with other things like um, alcohol is another, you know, coping mechanism that people use to either take away the pain or um, to use for just not wanting. It's like they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. They know what they're doing is not good for them, but they never been able to really work with somebody to create like true actionable steps for them, start getting them to, to, to progress and get out um, into a, to a new, better version of themselves. Yeah. And that's where, we can't, you know, I'm a lawyer, so I get a little bit nervous about going beyond your scope of practice because you don't want to be sued as holding yourself out as a physician or a licensed, you know, um, therapist. We want to make sure that we've got people that are doing lifestyle coaching. Lifestyle coaching is huge. There are parameters for scope of practice, but it's very easy to recommend someone to go to a licensed therapist or for someone to go to a psychiatrist if they feel they might need you know, medical assistance. Um, how do you integrate with that, Amanda? Do you, do you sometimes partner with different practitioners? Absolutely, yes. Um, and I do use the clause. I don't know if it's a legal uh, lawyer clause, but I'm like, I'm not a counselor. But I can hear or I can see the stories. You Wait, I have to stop you. 
you are brilliant. That is exactly what you do. I always, I, I, whenever I'm correcting somebody, I'm like, it just like, it's like, this is gross and I'm sorry. Reed, you think you swore, you know, it's like vomit out of my mouth. I'm like, I'm not a doctor, nurse or physical therapist, but, yep. and that's what I, that's what I do. So you're brilliant, Amanda, go ahead, please. Yeah. And so then I, I typically will repeat what they've said to me. I'm like, I'm, I'm hearing self-sabotage. I'm hearing that you said you ate that donut because you, your mom said you still look super fat or whatever the awful scenario is. I realize you've been using food to comfort you, yourself for a very long time. Um, you know, so let's talk about other tactics, you know, that are non-food ways. I do that quite a bit, pretty effective. And then I also say, you know, it sounds like, you know, a lot of times weight loss doesn't happen because someone is super stressed, whether it's anxiety, whether it's stress, whether it's depression, right? All that hormonal imbalance stuff. That's a whole nother ginormous topic. And, um, you know, I can hear the stress. I can see the change in your face. Like, right, we're human, we're connecting. And so I'm like, let's talk about dealing with this stress. I absolutely have zero problem, especially I'm like mental health is, it should be talked about more. Do you have a counselor? I do. I am personally connected with some, a lot of people's works have like those 1-800 numbers. Um, a lot of people are already in therapy, quite honestly, when they're coming to see me, you know, counseling and nutrition therapy. Um, and then, so, and then we do talk, I talk, I love meditation. I love deep breathing. I will say like, have you ever, you know, stopped and taken five breaths? Like there's the easy stuff that I believe is within our scope. And when they're like, and then I'm like, okay, how about, you know, would you consider journaling? Would you consider knitting? You know, you can give them ideas. And then if they're like, what? Then they're like, okay, you know, here's, here's a number to a counselor, or, you know, work on this. If this is not effective, then we'll take the next step. But I, I think thank goodness once again that connection between food and emotional whatever tra trauma or just anxiety depression food is used for so many things besides fuel which is okay we're human um but recognizing mm -hmm. that walking them through that and then leading them down whatever path whether it's counseling or whether it's hey maybe you just need to journal for five minutes every night or and and month. i will tell you exactly what you're saying amanda is it's it's life coaching there's a there and fitness professionals, there is no licensing, no governmental regulation on life coaching, staying within your scope of practice. I highly recommend everybody on this phone call look at life coaching because we don't, people don't go to their doctors. Look at what I just said. I said, everybody's retired. And plus, when I go to see the gynecologist, I see her for eight minutes, you know, because that's, and I'm on, you know, I'm on Blue Cross Blue Shield. But that's the limitation that these physicians are under at this point. Um, so this life, they come to us. They come to us as fitness professionals. They come to us as sports and conditioning coaches. They, they come to us. Um, are there any, Reed, I'm going to ask you. Are, we see, you know, like I put up paleo or ketogenic or plant-based. I'm hearing a lot of plant-based and how bad, you know, um, eating animals is for the world. Um, are there any diets that, that you would absolutely say, please stay away from? Uh, yeah, I think things high in sugar and artificial ingredients and uh, obviously the trans fats and things. There, here's the thing, there are foods that are bad for everybody. Mm -hmm. Like I just mentioned some, but there's hardly any foods that are good for everybody. At least, you know, you have to look at the combinations. I've mentioned protein, fat, and carb ratios several times and which ones. 
and an example of this, even when it comes to the Mediterranean diet, people talk about paleo because it's an ancestral diet. And I completely agree and I've studied this for 23 years and including anti-aging and I could recommend some good books for people, but um, there, there's no one diet right for everyone, but there's a diet right for you. And we talked a little bit about dialing in those ratios, but it depends on your genetics. And there's no genetic test that's gonna tell you what the best food for you is gonna be either. I don't wanna bounce around too much, but let's take the Bantu, which is a tribe of people in Africa who've been around for God knows how long, millennia. They have shiny, bright skin, bright eyes, they're healthy, they have healthy babies, and you, just all the things that would indicate health. Again, shiny skin, ability to get up in the morning with lots of energy and do the whatever it is they're gonna do that day. And go to bed at night and get a good night's sleep and wake up refreshed the next day. And these kind of healthy indicators. But this, the diet that's right for them is not going to be right for the, let's take the Quechuan Indians of South America that live at 10,000 feet. So one eats a lot of, uh, let's say, blood and cow's milk and is does very, very well on it. And the other eats just corn and potatoes and does very, very well in it. So there's no intrinsic value to food. Again, there's some that are bad for everybody, but it depends who's eating it that matters. And there are certain indicators, uh, the oxidative rate I mentioned, which would dictate your ratios. And then there's another really important aspect and it leads into something I think you all have touched on. And that is the mood, the idea of autonomic balance. So sympathetic versus parasympathetic. And if you are leaning naturally towards being a sympathetic dominant, and we see a lot of it today, people are in fight flight all the time. So if you were in that condition, would you want to eat foods that stimulate the sympathetic nervous system? Absolutely not. You'd want to eat foods that stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system. I go the other way. I don't uh, eat to eat to live. I live to eat because I love eating. You know, it really is fun and, and I have such a great time doing it, you know, so I really have to watch that. Uh, and that's that's because I lean parasympathetic I'm a rest and digest guy. I'm not a fight flight guy. I can stay calm almost no matter what. And that's rest and digest. So I need foods that do stimulate my sympathetic nervous system. I eat, need to eat those combinations of protein, fat, and carbs, the right ratios, and which ones matter. So I do meat with fat and a lot of vegetables, very little fruit. Can't do orange juice. It just it just turns me um, the wrong way. Raises my blood sugar. All these things. So so there's a real science to it. And again, you can dial these things in when you know what to look for. Um, and how do you, you know, how do you figure out what to look for? Like I told you when I went to the Mayo, I got all the you know the blood taken out. Um, are there? Um, Amber, you're smiling, so you've got to have we use, I'll just tell you, I'll cut to the yeah. chase. So we use what's called the metabolic typing diet test, and it's based in 40 years of science and research, which even that 40 years was based on previous research by guys like Royal Lee and Weston Price and Francis Pottinger, mm -hmm. and these really remarkable, some of them were actually dentists who went around the world studying these cultures. Why did one diet work perfectly well for one tribe of people and on another part of the planet, it makes them sick. And I could give you story after story of how that's true. It's just true. And um, I don't want to dominate this too much, but I'll say that metabolic typing is the science of knowing what's right for you. 
And I would just give you those two main areas, oxidative rate for the amount of protein, fat, and carbs, the right ratio for you. And you can dial it in just like we used to dial in the old radio station on your car. If you get it just right, you just add a little more protein, a little more fat. Now your energy, which, which is where we started this morning or, or earlier, energy and your sense of satiation, your sense of well-being is just right. Now you go past it, add a little too much protein, and you'll get away from it, just like you got away from that radio station, and you would dial it back. And the same hmm. thing happens with so, the autonomic nervous system. You could dial in your sympathetic So they're going to, we're looking at ways... Reed, I'm sorry to interrupt. We're looking at ways, how do we determine that? And I think, I think it's, John, what are your, what are some of the ways we can determine that by staying in touch with our mood, how we feel, our energy level? Um, yeah, a lot of it comes down to like self-awareness. I mean, are you paying attention to how you actually respond uh, behaviorally, lifestyle-wise, based on what you actually, you know, really eat? And I can tell you, I mean, the overwhelming majority of Americans that don't do this, they have no clue about it. Um, they have no idea what to start. I mean, you know, we are the most, we are the fattest, uh, most chronic disease nation in the history of freaking the Milky Way galaxy. Um, you know, you look at other countries like Japan, they have one of the lowest obesity rates in the entire world, despite the fact that they eat rice and, you know, and fish. Um, but yeah, all countries have like fast food and stuff, but it's actually in a lot of ways more expensive to buy the fast food versus over here in the United States. But the Japanese people and many other countries, they walk everywhere. You know, they may drink and smoke, but they're they're overall more active than what you see here, uh, you know, in the United States. And people like us, who are obviously more active and we you know, we train in E-Rite, you know, nowadays, you know, we are the minority. Um, you know, we have 45% obesity in this country. You know, you look at uh, all uh, the last few years with all the COVID numbers, 80% of people that are hospitalized are obese. Um, you know, I know, I know, and it, you know, and yeah, very exactly. little advertisement on that. That's right. You know, ninety-five percent of all the COVID deaths um, were uh, overweight, obese, and you know, three to four other comorbidities and pre-existing conditions. You know, so it goes back to okay, so what's the actual real underlying cause here? What's the real factor? You know, and you know, I hate to say it, but you know, big food companies and big pharma, you know, they're not your friends. Um, you know, they're out, they're out to make money. You know, billions of dollars and. You know, if, if everybody were healthy and doing what they're supposed to do, then they wouldn't be making billions of dollars. I mean, Grant, don't, don't get me wrong. There's great doctors out there and there's great treatments for a lot of different types of things. Um, but, you know, if you can't build and sustain the foundation, like you're going to be in some serious trouble. Yeah. And we got a good question here and I'm going to open this up. Whoever feels like they can answer this. Michelle asked, what about the eat right for your blood type diet? Does blood type make a difference? All right, Jonathan, you're holding your, you look really concerned. Okay. No, I, I think, um, I've seen this before. This has actually been around for, I don't know, maybe close to 10 years or something like that. Um, I, I think, I think it's BS. I mean, I think it's good to like know what your blood type is uh, because that, that might make a difference between, uh, could be things with, you know, um, allergy types of things or, you know, food allergies, or you might be genetic or susceptible to certain things, but creating a diet based around your blood type. I mean, no one's going to go in the grocery store and be like, okay, I got to pick broccoli because broccoli is on my blood type diet. Like it's, it's, it's not, um, it's not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's not determined. It's not, yeah. It, you know, broccoli doesn't discriminate. Oh, you know, I just need to eat broccoli. But this other person, like, 
it doesn't really work that way. I think those types of things are fad diets. It's just a way for people to try to monetize, uh, you know, and capitalize off people's inability to really understand the fundamentals of training and nutrition. And, and Amanda, do you, have you seen anybody successful on that? Have you, you know, are any of your clients using that? I, actually, I do remember one client came to me and that was in their history and I have not read the book because I agree with Jonathan or probably most people. I, I don't think there's a lot of credibility to it. But what I do remember, she had had initial success in her thing, whatever blood type, it was like no potatoes, no corn, no red meat. Like she cut out like half the food groups. <laughs> and so she started to lose weight. And so to me, you know, it's kind of like keto or whatever. I'm not gonna eat pasta. Well, if you typically we're eating pasta five days a week or ginormous portions, and then you're, I can't eat it anymore. Initially, there will be a weight loss. I, I think the appeal of any book that's written in this manner is it gives someone something to hold on to and they can, you know, they're almost proud of it. Oh, I can't eat corn. I, I have, you know, this blood type. And so, you know, and so it's like, it's like this badge of honor. And I don't mean to, and you know, if you've been on it and it worked for you, maybe it, it worked for you for whatever reasons, but typically like, right, once again, we're restricting, we're giving you a good food list and a bad food list. And then we go into diet mentality. And so short answer, no, but I do remember I was kind of, I don't hope I didn't chuckle in front of her, but she was like listing up. Like, so what were you not allowed to eat? It was this huge list of things. And I'm like, well, okay. Like you, you just heard yourself say that you cut out like 20 foods, which is why you probably initially lost weight. Um, yeah. I mean, the other problem is, is that, you know, with uh, uh, going off of that is they, the people will say, oh, I, I cut this out. I cut that out. And then they think that whatever diet that they're on at the time actually worked. But in reality, all you did was reduce your total caloric intake and create a caloric deficit, which is what all these diets have in common anyway. It doesn't matter which one it is. If it's, you know, vegan, paleo, keto, you know, whatever, they all have one thing in common and that's creating a caloric deficit. And yeah. can I jump in here too? Because it, along those lines, can we teach people that when you are in a caloric deficit and if you drop it down, if you're in a severe caloric deficit, you are going to be tapping into your muscle. Your body has to burn fuel from somewhere. So if you aren't feeding it enough calories to have to burn, it's going to turn to other places. Is it Will it burn some of your fat? Yes, but it is also going to burn some of your muscle. And one of the main things we absolutely, everybody over the age of 30 should be doing is trying to maintain their muscle mass. So doing a, a diet where you're losing muscle, then you become, it becomes this vicious cycle. You, you've lost muscle, you've lost some fat with it too. You get off the diet, you gain all the weight back. Well, you're not gaining back muscle mass, you're gaining back extra fat. So you're ending up with more body fat than you started with. And it, it's a cycle, it just keeps going. Mm, that's good. I, I love this stuff. I'm going to, you guys, I'm going to, before we end, I'm going to show you a, a really short video. We have a great conference coming up this weekend. It's Certification Smash. We have wonderful certifications. We have a life coaching certification. Um, Amber is teaching Active Aging Nutrition Certification. We're really excited to have this going on. I hope you guys all know that Florida Mania is up. We're running Florida Mania May 20th through 22nd. 
that's pretty exciting. Um, so we've come back live and, and hopefully you'll see these wonderful presenters that are upcoming Florida, Atlanta, Dallas, Chicago, and Boston conferences. Thank you so much guys for coming. Jonathan, thank you. Amber, thank you. My pleasure. Lee, thank thank you. you. And Amanda, thank you guys. And um, Adam, I know you're hiding behind the logo, but we all love you and we know you're there. So thank you, everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight. We'll see you next Tuesday. Thanks for having Bye. us. Bye, guys.